everybody please put a thumb in the air. Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Speaking of fun and games, the Philadelphia Flyers, huh? Huh? Hey. I think I'm way, hey. more, en- think I'm way more enthusiastic than everyone else. <laughs> they play games. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Let's just get right into it. We have a jam-packed show for you tonight. So let's, uh, let's get to the intros. And returning from her uh, heist stealing the Swayze Express and using it to <laughs> smuggle cigarettes across the border... <laughs> Kelly Hinkle. Hi. I miss your guys' faces. It's nice to see you, Hank. Yeah. How's it's, Canada? It's nice. Warmer than here. Really? Which is odd. That's probably good. Seems like a temporary flip of things. I'm sure that once I get back there, it's going to be freezing, but I'm glad to be back. I missed you guys. So you're participating in both Thanksgivings now. That seems... I know. I get two this that year. That seems unpatriotic. Extra fatty. I don't know. Well, you see, the thing about American Thanksgiving is that it's based on genocide. I mean, so it's not. It is. They didn't genocide oh. at dinner. Like they do you geno- know that for they sure? They genocided can after I, dinner. Can like, we? Can't we just enjoy Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's though? based no. on fucking getting Step drunk and enjoy full. anything. Yeah, I drink beer. I enjoy some things, eat a book, <laughs> such as eat a meat that tastes Oreos. like napkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving's the most American holiday. We, you know, stole a bunch of land and then celebrate by engorging ourselves. It's the only thing that all Americans celebrate. So is it? Well. Yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. Major you get ho- everything major else holiday. is religious. Fourth yeah. of July. Yeah. yeah. I Veterans guess. Day. Yeah. I mean, That's not really a, lot, a celebration. Yeah, a lot of people don't really support think. the troops. All right. <laughs> the troops were uh, were at Flyers practice today. Get that. The from, Flyers support the troops. They were from indeed. theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. We're off to a great start. <laughs> Fantastic start. Well, I will change gears So we're talking about hockey. Phil Myers, gang. He looks pretty damn good. Hell yeah. He sure does. We're going to get into the defense, but I didn't have a little I don't have a little Phil Myers um a little Phil Myers tab here he so got the second most Phil. minutes on the defense last night. Yeah. So like the coaches are recognizing that yo yo this this kid this kid can play. He looks uh, the first game I thought he just looked all right settling in and ever since he's just looked like aggressive Phil Myers. Yeah. I just love watching him actually defend. It, because he doesn't do it for long. He's pretty efficient in that. I, I'm really like when I'm seeing Phil Myers. He might be our second best defenseman right now. Well, I don't but know if I go that far. We'll he's, get, he's playing very well. We will get into the defense in just a minute. But first, let me introduce to you Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. All right, you fucking vultures. Let's talk about Nolan Patrick. <laughs> I've been Who? seeing a lot of his career is over. <laughs> he's not going to play this year. He should retire. <laughs> I just like all right, you fucking vultures. Number one, I don't know about retire. It's been a month, one single month, and we were told week to week, so we're still on that timeline. A month, I believe, is four weeks. It sure is <laughs> four weeks, four of them. I... So it's been one month. We've started the season without key players before for a month or longer. Like, let's all calm the fuck down. Number two. He's been practicing. It's not like he's not around. He's been on the ice. He's been working with the skills coach. And, in fact, yesterday was in a regular jersey. Not a non-contact jersey, but a regular fucking jersey. So everybody who's who's just 
pinning his nailing his grave nailing his coffin shut like you need to stop like this is a migraine disorder and what that means is that he may not even necessarily have headaches there are multiple things that come with migraines including the migraine aura which could mean that he's just not seeing very clearly because he's got auras literally in his eyeballs or he's nauseous all the time or he's dizzy like there's a lot of things and um Sam Carcini actually wrote an article about it on philly.com about just the little things that Nolan did say about his about the disorder which wasn't much but he he did say that he's been suffering from different side effects from the migraines no. not not just headaches like those are not that's not a problem and he's lost weight in the off season so there's a lot going on here and the motherfucker is in a regular jersey all right let's let's start that was intense. Should we? I'm just. I'm so sick of it. Should right. we be saying his career's over and no. he should retire? No. Obviously not. No. But Steph, should people be bring, brimming with confidence that this guy is going to have a long, healthy, productive NHL career? Yes. Why? But w- why not? This isn't an injury. This because is. This is. This is. That's worse. Injuries heal. Disorders are disorders. Okay, so so he's going to be dealing with this for, or he won't, or he gets it fixed, so gets on the right meds, and that's it. And then, and then he gets hit in the head, and oh, he's already on meds, which means that it could it could help him like, I, recover from any potential concussions, which see, is actually what doctors are saying. I don't by the see way. a reason for people to be overly optimistic. I don't see a reason for anybody to be overly pessimistic. I, I'm, career, I'm with Steph. I, I don't. I don't to this think. point. He hasn't the been two, very the good. Two, the two years he's been hurt he's a bunch played? of times, and now the, he's the, got some disorder that they can't seem to figure out. So no, they can figure it out. This is, is what we playing, said. Then? This is what we said to start the season. This takes a while. Okay, and it's been one fucking month. Well, they've, they've literally played fourteen hockey games. That's it. Like we're we're we have people that are just right, saying, well he's, well, he's well, he's not going to play this year. We don't know that. I didn't say he's not going to play this year. I think no, he you're, will. you're you are also nailing the coffin no, shut that I'm, he's just not going to have a productive again, career. I didn't say that because said, he played two seasons with Dave Haxtell and was not very productive. And. How, like, how many? How many got points hurt, did it he was have? Not very produ- I don't like. He really didn't get hurt know. that much. He came into the league with an injury. He's dealt with a lot of different things, and he's never been very good for any extended period of time. I hope the kid turns out. I want to see him play this year. I hope. But for anybody that who he like, is overly optimistic, uh, well, he's not going to. <laughs> he very well. He's could. not healthy <laughs> enough. He'd fall down. He, I hope he shits in your mouth. Well, I, like I he's was. He's got sixty-one NHL points. He has almost identical seasons 13 goals 17 assists 13 goals 18 assists oh that sounds wonderful and 73 games 72 games so he's missed less than uh, 10 games last year nine games the year before like he's been he's been fine he's been especially for especially for a a player his age he's been fine because most players his age don't play in the nhl at all most players his age don't get drafted number two overall okay but that's the expectation well we're not talking about expectations. We're talking about is he going to be a good NHL player? And he might be. He might not be. But I do completely agree with Steph that people are literally just burying this guy. Yeah, and, I and, it's, and it's like, don't. We don't know. And we certainly shouldn't bury this guy for the season after he's missed one month, which, again, 14 games of an 82-game season. Like, which is if, if, if it's January and he still ain't playing, okay, yeah, he might miss the whole year. And that might happen. We don't know. But I think we're overreacting so far because it's like th- because we're all so freaking insane because all we do is obsess over this team. So what what a month in our time feels like a year. 
because all we think about is this fucking hockey team. And it's it's been oh, I mean God. like we're so diseased. It's attacked. been since July. It's not one Great month worms. though. We didn't, no, <laughs> it's not been since July. We didn't find out about it until mid September. Uh, that's when we found out about it. And they didn't officially diagnose him with this until the end of September. So really, he's only been dealing with a diagnosed disorder for a little over I a month. I thought he'd been dealing with this for his entire life. No, he had migraines when he was a kid. Then they went away. Then they came back this summer, and they were trying to determine whether they were migraines or whether this was something related to concussions or whatever the hell it was. And then apparently at the end of September, doctors came to the conclusion that it is not concussion-related. It is migraine-related, and now they are building a you know a regimen and whatnot and medication and whatnot that will allow him to contain this and play. Nick Bugstad dealt with the same problem. Nick Bugstad is playing hockey and does not miss games because of his migraines. But when he had migraines, he missed like two months because it took a while to figure it out. This shit has been done before. It takes it's a while to figure before. it out. You've got, you've got to adjust. It's medications. It's diet. It's exercise regimen. It's sleep. You've got to change your whole life if you're a, an elite athlete dealing with this. Even if you're a regular person dealing with this, you've got to change a lot of stuff. It takes a while. Nolan, your doctors are uh, shills for the insurance companies and big pharma. So I just I mean, gonna, that's I'm, everybody. I'm going to give you doctor. Uh, yeah, all doctors. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you what's going to fix you. Weed and shrooms. All right. Uh, let's move wrong. on. Carter Hart is back, fam. Woo-hoo. The long national nightmare is <laughs> over. Uh, the most decorated goalie prospect of all time turns out isn't a uh, complete disaster. Who He's knew? not the worst ever. We shouldn't trade a first-round pick for a 30-year-old with worse numbers. Uh, <laughs> everything is fine between the pipes for the Philadelphia Flyers. Carter Hart won them the game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Looked phenomenal. Let's talk about Carter Hart because that's something we can all agree on. He's good. It was awesome all to right. see him have that. It game. was really good. It was awesome to see him have it that. It was game. so needed. Like just to, just for I, 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 all along, I said Carter Hart's fine. This isn't even something to worry about. It's not. He's he had the gonna, yips. Yeah, I don't even think it was that. I think he was just playing poorly. That shit happens sometimes. He was going to play well because good goalies eventually play well. That's just how it goes. I really, I think, for the psyche of the fan base, though, and to just even out how they're going to distribute the workload, he needed to play yeah. like that. Yeah, and More than anything else, I think they needed it for that. And it, it's clear that if there was any doubt in anyone's mind that the Philadelphia Flyers view Carter Hart as their number one goalie if he's not playing like utter shit, they are going back to him on Thursday against Montreal, and that he will almost certainly get one of the two back-to-back games this weekend, probably the harder of the two games against Boston, because, again, he's their number one goalie. And if he's not, like, a complete and total dumpster fire, he's going to be their number one goalie. They're not going to run Brian Elliott into the ground, guys. Calm down. So far, so good. I will (laughs) never calm down. Uh, He did look... I thought he looked... I I thought he was better than his ultimate numbers against the Devils. Um, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, I I, I was... I was was satisfied with that game, and I actually put in my article about that game that I was... I thought he played well. I thought he had a rebound game. And a couple people in my comments actually like, no, I didn't think he played that well. It's like... He gave up three goals, but, like, one of them wasn't great, and that was because Justin Braun pushed a guy into him as he was trying to make the save. And I think more importantly than anything, the way he won the game yes. was by battling. Yeah. Like, he didn't get pulled right away, and, didn't like, he had a chance to redeem himself and just kept himself in the game, and that's why they won. And, and wi- then winning the game on him making a save freaking, is Yeah, look at who he good. Look at who he stopped in the shootout. Like, 
three pretty good players, I'd say. <laughs> three decent players. Uh, but, yeah, so I was... Uh, well, I'm, then you stopped what, like... No, oh, wait, no, that, that was, was Elliot. That was Elliot. That was yeah. Elliot. Like, like, ten stops yeah. and still lost the oh, ten. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on shootouts, but one for 11... One for freaking 11? Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah. Well, you see. Where's Chris Stewart when you need him? He oh, was boy. in the press box. He's six of his last seven in his career. In the press box. You know, we, he's like, you know, he's we, like 43% for his career. You know, we talked about that like in the elevator going back up after the game. Like, well, they could have used Chris Stewart. And my point was like, here's the thing. <laughs> if they would have used Chris Stewart, that game wouldn't have gotten to a shootout eh, because well. they would have lost. Mm-hmm. Because he is incapable of keeping up with the Toronto Maple what, Minus At three? At least Tyler Pitlick can still skate. Was he minus? three in six minutes against the Pens. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> it was incredible. The only time I'll ever put any stock in the plus minus is Chris Stewart's game against the Penguins. <laughs> he had six minutes of playing time when his third goal against him. In was fairness, scored. Pitlick played really bad in that yeah, game too. No, yeah. But like, uh, I, I do not think, and I even asked, I, I put this in my observations column for the week. I asked Vigneault like, well, clearly Pitlick and Stewart are kind of in this rotation for the 12th forward spot right mm-hmm. now. So like, how are you picking between the two? And he basically was like, well, Darts. When we think it's going to be a physical game, we're putting Stewart in. When we need speed, we're putting Pitlick in, and we're hoping to God one of them starts actually playing well. We're throwing darts. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to more about the fourth line and the recent call-ups and everything that's happened over the last few days, but uh, just more about Hart before we move on. Do you think we're going to be dealing with up-and-down Hart all year, or this was him finding his game and this is second half of the season Carter Hart now from last year. I think it's a foolish to assume that he's just going to play great from yeah. here till the end of the season. Oh, he'll have bad games. Yeah, every like goalie. A bad week. Do is you up think we've moved past that? Maybe. Okay. I yeah. I mean, he can probably with either. Yeah, like, he's going to string together a yeah. few bad games, I'm sure. Like you said about Hasek the other week. Yeah, the yeah. year he had a 937 save percentage. He he gave up eight goals one game. Yeah, so like, it, I mean, whatever, it happens. happens. I, I I don't know. I, I don't know. But I know he's – I guess my thing is I know he's not as bad as he played in those three. And yeah. it seemed like there were some people who weren't convinced that he wasn't actually as bad as he played in those three. And this just served as a reminder that, no, he's, he's a good goalie. And that's just part of our psyche problems we have, like – Hey man, we got Van Beesbrook instead of uh, I- instead of Cujo. That means our goalies are just cursed. Yeah. Like, all right, well, but you realize that has nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, well, I wrote I wrote my column after this game, and it was basically like, look, I get that the fans were scared about Carter Hart when he went on that run. The players in the locker room were not scared no. at all. They were like, he's good. Why are you guys worried? He's good. We yeah. know he's good. We just have all of our hopes and dreams in the Carter Hart basket. <laughs> like that's what it is. The eggs are all in the proverbial basket. And we're, we get just a little bit too crazy about two games. We're a skittish three people. Three games. We are. Yeah. We are. Uh, Goes back again to the, the Eagles. Yes. The yeah. Eagles uh, mm-hmm. problem. No, yeah. It's two bad games. It's like, yeah. Uh, well, season's over. They do need to trade everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about the D because I. Yes. <laughs> here Sorry. we go again. <laughs> let's Welcome talk, back. Angle. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk about the players who line up on the blue line at the opening faceoff. <laughs> um, uh, the defense. Let's start with Travis Sanheim because I think Charlie has oh. a lot to say about Travi. Um, man, he was he was doing a great Scott Hartnell impression. Yeah, with Sanheim am, down. I oh. am convinced that TK was putting tape on the bottom <laughs> of his skates because that if you've ever played like that is a fun prank to do to someone. Uh. Like someone goes and takes a piss before they get dressed grab their skates, put some tape on the bottom of them, and then they go out for warm-ups, and they just go down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> like, See, I thought PK thing. was doing that to Sanheim. It's not funny. During a game, no. It's you do that not. in practice. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> at practice, it's funny. During a game, yeah. no, no. But I thought he rebounded well with that goal against Toronto. It was, it was good. That was good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the fascinating part about the Sanheim thing is this. Like, it it didn't really start turning into this until a couple days ago, and I freely admit I was part of it because I wanted to make this point. But, like, it's very reminiscent of the last time Sanheim went through a, a you know, struggle session and then Dave Haxel gave up on him and they sent him down, except the Flyers under Vigneault and Fletcher have not done that. They are continuing to ride with him, which is great. But the same thing has kind of happened where he's making these big mistakes, they're going in the back of the net, and his underlying numbers are awesome. And it's sort of like, okay, well, what do you what do you buy? Do you buy that Sanheim is actually playing well and that it's just every time he makes a big mistake, it ends up in the back of the net, so it's six in everybody's mind? Or do you think, no, the numbers are wrong and actually he's playing like shit? Because the numbers are saying that he's driving play much better than he did last year. He's at a 54.42% Corsi and a 56.85% expected goals percentage. That's like six percentage points up from both categories last year. He's scoring more points at 5-on-5 when accounting for ice time. He's creating more scoring chances for himself at 5-on-5 when accounting for ice time. Like, he's he's creating more, based on Corey Schneider's uh, data that he tracks, he's he's creating more uh, defensive zone exits with control. Every number says he's playing better this year than he did last year, except for the fact that you watch the game and you think he's playing like shit. So this is is the kind of the back and forth. Like, what's actually going on here? And that's, we have a question a little later, because I took some questions that I even forgot to get to in my uh, end opening but we'll get to them later uh but it's basically like what's the disparity between you know the eye test and then the numbers and i look at it like the reason the big mistake you you have to not put it out of your mind because it happened but a player gets 20 shifts in a game about a defenseman gets like 21 22 shifts say they're minus two all right what happened on those other two shifts? T- other twenty shifts, 18. like, and that's yeah, eighteen shifts. Math. Well, if it's twenty-two, yeah. and <laughs> twenty-two shifts minus. Either you said yeah, twenty. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> what happened on those other eighteen, twenty shifts? That's where these numbers come into play. Like, yeah, is he making big mistakes? Sure, but if he can just not fall down, which I'm, I think everyone's pretty confident, he's not going to just fall for no reason every game this season. One would hope. Like. He's probably going to do what he does on the majority of his shifts, which is play at least okay. And I think he's started to really turn up his game in terms of driving the puck a little more since Myers came up. I mean, I'm actually glad. I haven't looked at any of these numbers, so I'm glad that you pointed them out because it is hard to watch these games and watch him fall down for no reason, which is just infuriating and doesn't make any sense because he's not a bad skater. He's a great skater. And then, like you said, (laughs) every mistake that he makes is leading to a goal against, so it's hard to watch that and think anything but he's fucking blowing it completely. So to know that he's not blowing it completely means that there's a pretty solid chance that eventually he's just going to get his shit together and it'll be fine. Yeah, and and I think there's a distinction between somebody like Sanheim who— making the big mistakes, everything's going in the back of the net, but his underlying numbers are good. And then a guy like Asis Bear, who, like, I think everyone could agree isn't playing his best and his underlying numbers suck. So it's like you kind of have to, like, look at these things, you know, individually where it's like, well, you know, are you going to tell me Shane Gosper is actually playing? Well, like, no, he's he's actually not. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's been better, like, the last few games, but, like, not good. I mean, it's just not him yet. Yeah, yeah. That's I, uh, Was it Toronto at the end? Where uh, he just took control of the overtime 
and made that whole last sequence happen when they should have scored but didn't. I think it was I the think Toronto so. game. I think so, yeah. Like, that was the most Shane Gosper thing I saw. There have been flashes of it yeah. this season. It's yeah. there. It's mm-hmm. in him. It's in him. Uh, but, yeah, Sanheim. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about Travis Sanheim I'm at glad. All. Like, that's one. And this is to my – to compare to the previous regime because that's what we do a lot. Talent evaluation. Is Sanheim playing poorly? Maybe. Is he bad? No. Right. So we have to let him play because he's still easily one of our six best defensemen. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Yeah, and, and that was something that Vigneault has he, – he, he dropped this, this, like, line of – I guess line of words. I don't know. It's just like a concept. He dropped it twice last week. It was this idea of – and you'll like this as a, a wrestling fan – this idea of money in the bank. Yeah. Although it's not money in the bank in the wrestling sense. But it's basically that, like, look – if you, if you're a good player, we know you're a good player. Like you could fuck up sometimes, yeah. and we're not going to bench you. Whereas if you're a fourth liner and you fuck up sometimes, we're probably going to bench you. Like because I, I asked him about Pitt. And that makes sense. I asked him about Pitt. Like and Pitt, he's like, well, he doesn't have a lot of money in the bank. So yeah. if he has a bad game like he did in Pittsburgh, he's not playing anymore. <laughs> no. If Travis Sanheim has three bad games, he's got a little money in the bank. We're going to let him go. Listen, if Charlie, with all that athletic money, goes down at the table, they spot him. If I go down at the table, I get arrested because they're like, that's not even your name on your license, sir. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. I just bet someone else's car. <laughs> but I, I'm not I'm not concerned about Travis Sanheim no, at I'm, all. Uh, the one thing I do want to br- bring up about, about Travis Sanheim, though, is that it's a guy who we just watched play last night. I think we we do, as a fan base, need to kind of, kind of accept that Travis Sanheim is Jake Gardner yes. in the sense that, like, his underlying numbers are always going to be awesome. He's always going to provide a ton of value, and he's always going to screw up in really, really, like, holy shit, how do you do that ways? And he's going to have a section of the fan base that's always going to hate him for that. Like, that's just him. And it was the same thing with Gardner, and that's why with Jay Gardner, I always call Jay Gardner, like, the best number three defenseman in hockey. Because I don't really want him on my top pair because I don't want him making those mistakes against, like, Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews. But... As a number three against second, third lines most of the time, that's great. Oh, that's, yeah. And a guy who's prone to big mistakes, well, the more ice time you give him, the more likely sure. you're going to see one. Sure. Yeah, so that makes sense. But let's talk about someone who, he was the number one defenseman last night, Matt Niskanen. Uh, I didn't know what to make of this guy when the when the Flyers brought him in for Radko Gudis, but damn, I like him a lot. Um, He's been great. Yeah, he played twenty one seventeen last night, which led, to, or he played more than that. Uh, I don't even have it, but he led the team in time on ice versus the Canes last night. He's been averaging twenty one seventeen, which is second on the team uh, behind Provy, who's at like twenty four minutes. His numbers were insane last weekend. We'll get to that. Uh, Niskanen has two goals, six assists through fourteen games. How are we liking Matt Niskanen? You know. He's not been bad. I, I am. <laughs> and when it comes to our defensemen, not bad is a really high compliment. I would even say that he's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. And, you know, Provorov has been pretty good. And the rest of them, they're there. I think Niskanen's been the most consistent oh, yeah. at both ends of the ice. And I wasn't really sure yeah, what to fair. expect. As the guy who was brought in to bring consistency to the blue line, that makes sense. Well, you heard some national media talk about what he might be, and there was a reason to be concerned. I don't have those concerns right now. Not saying they won't, uh, like everyone's been saying this whole show, it's only 14 games, things could go wrong, but I love what I'm seeing out of the guy so far. 
I think he's been very impressive. And uh, and the big concern with him always boiled down to he's getting older because this wasn't this was never an Andrew McDonald situation where it was where it was it was like they got this guy who everybody thinks is good and is actually bad. Matt Niskanen at one time was objectively really good. Mm-hmm. He was objectively, you know, he was probably like the ideal number two. Yeah. Not the best guy on your top pair, but a guy who's very good on your top pair. And he was a top pair defenseman for three or four years on a Capitals team that was one of the best teams in the conference, if not the league. And he also had a great final season with the Penguins, which is what got him that big contract with the Caps in the, th- in the first place. But the idea was he's in decline. And you're trading for a guy with two more years left in his contract who's in decline if it just continues to go down. Not that he was useless last year, but he wasn't that good last year. And then if he goes from not that good to bad, then you've got him for two years and you gave up an actually good defenseman to Radko Gudis. This could be a disaster. Well, Niskanen looks actually good. And he looks actually good in a role that they never trusted Radko Gudis to play. And that was always my thing about Radko Gudis. You all know I'm a Radko fan, Charlie. I still wear that butcher shirt you got me. I'm glad you liked it. I'm a Radko fan. You can't trust him with more than third pair minutes. He's just not good with the puck. He cannot pass. There are too many things he can't do. While his Corsi numbers will be good because he fires the puck every time he gets it on on the offensive side of the red line. So, look, yeah, the shot attempt differential is going to be high. You can't trust him with more than 17 minutes a game. Niskanen, you can. Yeah, I just, I just That's think the difference to I, me. I would have liked to have seen Gudis given that role at some point because I'm not 100% convinced he couldn't have done it in his own way. But I do think that I think he's the kind of guy that, like, you don't really want him. I think it's less that he can't hold up against top competition. I think he can. I think it's more that you don't want him backing your best forwards because he takes yeah. all the shots. So it's like, why do you? Why would you want Radko Gudis behind Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek when Radko oh, Gudis is going to take forty percent of the shot attempts? You don't want him shooting. You want no. them shooting. There was never any traffic when he <laughs> shot. Like, it's just a frustrating. And I liked him. But that part of his game was frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a lot of people who maybe, you know, don't watch, didn't watch the Flyers every day and just looked at the numbers because you can't watch every team and they've been mediocre for his whole time here. So why would you watch him? You just look at that and go, oh, well, he's a play driving defenseman. He looks okay. Well, why would you give up on him? But uh, I think when you get to know these guys, I like watching Matt Niskanen play more, especially since Gudis doesn't murder anymore. Fair. One thing that's interesting about Niskanen is, and I did not expect this, how comfortable he looks on that power play. Yeah. Like, he looks good. And it was funny. And I actually, I blanked on this. And he kind of, like, rolled his eyes. Like, yeah, you're right. I deserve that. Because I asked him, like, a couple weeks into the year, I'm like, have you ever, like, kind of been in that, like, shooting spot? And he was like, well, no, because Alex Ovechkin's there. And I was like, oh, right, that makes sense. But it was like, because he looks so good there. I'm like, has anybody ever tried there? He's like, well, I mean, once in a while, if Alex got tired, I would go in there for the final 10 seconds of a power play, but but not really. But also played other places in your career, asshole. Well, not really, though. I'm not calling him No, 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 Niskan is a a good guy. But he was just kind of like, dude, really? Like, Ovi in that spot? It's kind of his spot. Like, yeah, okay, I deserve that. But, uh... But, yeah, he looks good there. I mean, he's one of the reasons why that second power play unit has been solid, at, or the Coots unit, as, as AV go. wants to call it. Um, and uh, and I'm very much a guy who, like, I want Travis Sanheim on the power play, but I can't argue with it. I can't argue with Matt Niskan to be on that power play because he's looked good on that power play. Uh, let's talk about the power play as it pertains to the defenseman now because Ivan Provorov 
top power play unit. Uh, we've all been critical of his production on the power play leading up to this point in his career, but so far, so good, eh? So like, far, so good. And also, just as an aside, like, I, do we have a one and two power play unit anymore, really? Right now, we don't. Although we, I, I They kind of seem kind of like they're just evenly, we have two groups of guys that go out. One isn't one, one isn't two. I am an advocate of saying they're not one and two. I like that. But I will always refer to Giroux's unit as one, because well, it's Claude yeah. F and Giroux. Well, you, you know what? I have a feeling that Drew's unit is going to look more like a power play one now that Claude Drew's actually on the right side of the formation. Well, and, and, by the, and, by the, and by the right side, I mean the left side. It's a wild side. idea. <laughs> the correct side. I think they're going to score a lot more. I mean, they've already scored three times. Well, they've scored three times in two games with Drew on the ice. I know the goal they had on, a, yeah. on Tuesday was with half the power play two, but to me, if Drew is on the ice, that's the Drew unit. Yeah, It, it is. It just is because he's that good of a power play guy. Well, all that does is make me sad that we're not going to see Travis Konechny and Oscar Lindblom and Sean Couturier on power play. Oh, you know, just the first two, right? Couturier is on the first power play unit. No, no he's, he's, with, he's, he's yeah. with them. Oh. He's with them. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, the three, the line that I'm obsessed with, we're not going to be able to see them on the second power play unit because Giroux is scoring all the goals, which, you know, <laughs> is good for the team, but bad for me personally. Maybe they'll just have like a 50% power play. I'm obsessed with the three of them. Maybe they'll both score at like 25% and we'll have a 50% power play. I would That's love how math that. works, let's, right, Charlie? Let's do that. <laughs> That's how math works in my head. Hey, I mean, we could do, you could do funny things it. with math. It, it's, it's crazy. Math will um, say whatever you want it to say. <laughs> I choose not I? to speak to math. <laughs> Why am I seeing and this is just a number I saw uh I didn't even realize what the time on ice was for those back-to-back -back, uh uh overtime games last mm -hmm. weekend. Back-to-back -back OT games over the weekend. Provi played 55 minutes and 14 seconds of the 130 minutes of game time. That's a lot. I don't care if he's not freaking like Drew Doughty yet. The fact that you just have somebody that you trust and can give you that time is incredible. Like, he played 27 and a half in, like, 28 minutes. It was nuts. It's hard to overstate how but good that why is. Why am I seeing so many Provorov complaints? Yeah, I don't get this. Me neither. Th th this I really don't get because I, I totally get the Travis Sanheim thing because the mistakes have been so glaring and they've ended up in the back of the net. There are a lot of people that are convinced that Ivan Provorov isn't playing that well this year. And, like, this isn't even a case of the numbers. You know, being like, well, the numbers say he's good. And, by the way, they do. They do. But... I watch him and I think he's playing well. Yeah, I haven't and, and noticed. It's very, yeah, it's very much like, what are you guys watching? Yeah, I well, think here's the thing: they're not. I, I, I think they are. Well, they I, just clearly are, are seeing a different game than I am. I think everybody watched the Pittsburgh game, <clears throat> which is fair, and he was bad in that. And everyone was actually. Bad. I turned it off. Yeah, no, but I think like. The one game that sticks out in everyone's mind is what they make their assessment on. Maybe. And then it's like you look at all 14 and go, well, he's been one of their two best, maybe their best defensemen. Uh, yeah. uh, even even strength when he's on the ice, scoring chances, 126-101 in favor of the Flyers. High, da high danger chances, 55-40 Flyers. Goals are 15-12, so he's plus. Uh, all his possession metrics are very positive. He's on pace to match his 17 goals from 17-18, and he's on pace for, like, 52 points. Uh, he put up 41 in that huge 2017-18 uh, season. So, like, every yeah. number is good. There were a couple of turnovers a couple games in a row, but I don't know, man. I just told you the guy played an hour over two nights. Everyone, so, yeah, every like, player yeah, turns, turns over, over the puck sometimes. But, and that's where one of these questions came from, Charlie, was uh, pertaining to 
Provorov, please elaborate on friction between advanced stats, the eye test, and the big mistake, especially as related to Provy. I know I always say players have the puck, players who have the puck turn it over a lot. His seem to be most inopportune fumbles behind O'Net, power play possession killers, etc. Right now, Ivan Provorov tied for team lead in power play points, in case we're wondering about possession killers. Um, yeah, he talks about Sanheim falling down and that kind of stuff, too. See, I just, I guess, like, as I said, the Sanheim thing, I'm, I'm all, I'm here for that debate. And I don't think, I mean, I was, I'm obviously going to fall on the side of the numbers. But I'm here for the debate that the numbers are wrong with Travis Sanheim because it's just, it's been so glaring. The mistakes have been so glaring. He thinks he's playing poorly. The coach thinks he's playing poorly. His teammates think he's playing poorly. I am here for the Travis Sanheim debate. The Ivan Provorov debate, I'm not really here for because I th I think he's playing well. I watch him, and I think he's playing well. And, you know, I really, you know where I really think this boils down to? I, I think... I think this boils down to confirmation bias. Yes. In the sense that mm. Provorov objectively had a bad year last year, and everyone has in their heads, every time he makes a mistake now on the ice, it's, oh, oh there goes Provorov again. again. Yep. Yep. I really think that's what's going on because he's playing well, and he's making a lot more good plays than bad plays. But before, when everyone only had a positive opinion of Ivan Provorov, he would make a mistake. And people would be like, oh, well, we can forgive Ivan Provo for that mistake because he never makes mistakes. And then he has an 82-game season where he sucks. And now it's every mistake is just like, oh, here we go again. And I really think a lot of it is perception and not reality because the reality is that Ivan Provo was making a lot of really freaking good plays. Like a guy in my comment section, I wrote the my Travis Sanheim article this weekend, and he commented, I expected Provo to be much better by now. And my response was this. Provo has nine points in 13 games. That was after uh, after Saturday's game, yeah. which is a 56-point pace. And he's driving play to the tune of a 55.03 Corsi 4 and a 54.59 expected goals 4, despite taking the most and toughest minutes on the team. How good did you expect him to be? Because let me put it this way. If Ivan Provo were to finish the year with 56 points and those underlying numbers, I would be making a case for him to win the Norris. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Yeah, this is the thing that's weird because I was one of those people heading into the season who was like, I don't know about Ivan yeah, Provorov. No, exactly. Like, yeah, like I was really concerned. Yeah, and I've and I have admittedly missed a couple of games. I missed the Pittsburgh game, so perhaps I missed his Lucky worst you. performance. I, was ready to trade him. I mean, yeah, so right. did the fucking team. Yeah, so, so like I, it's I've been watching the games, going, oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. I was worried about nothing. He's totally fine, and I don't understand how. You, like, even with the confirmation bias, watching these games overall, you would think, "Oh no, he actually sucks." Like, it's just I, I don't see it there at all. I was ready to trade him in the off season. I'm not so much right now. <laughs> now I'd like to yeah, keep, let's, uh, keep him. I, I have few for now. Let's see. Let's see how I the have, rest of this season goes. Yeah. Ask I again have, next week. I have few complaints about Ivan Provorov through 14 games, and like like Kelly. This offseason, I was like, I don't know. I, I had him penciled in as a number one, and I don't, I, my eraser is – I'm a racer side down on that. you know. And I was putting Sandheim yeah. there. Don't I look dumb now? <laughs> no, a guy who there doesn't, know, seem, there doesn't seem to be much debate about how good this player is, Joel Silky Mitz Farabee. Old Joel called him that. Joel, someone, someone on my Twitter just keeps calling him that. Okay, and so I whatever. Uh, so we need. So all right. So here's Tom Sestito is Silky Mitz. <laughs> I'll never change it. Not for He's this group of four, uh, but for our listeners, come up with a nickname for Joel Farabee that is something around 
bees. The process. He's the process. Bees. He is the process. Bees. Something bees. around bees. Bees scoring at are alarming scoring rate. at an alarming rate. That was a good tweet. From the Flyers, Flyers Twitter account, <laughs> which is so unfortunate. Like, it hurts me when they've got good tweets and we don't. Um, <laughs> they've been pretty good overall. They have been good I lately. They, have. they got a new person for sure. Oh, yeah. They must have. I don't person. think they did. No? Really? I think it's the same dude. Did he eat a funny pill? You'd have to ask him. So I don't. I mean, hey, where does maybe, one, get, I one get a funny pill? I don't know. Maybe he heard us say that we suck. <laughs> um, so anyway, come up with a nickname for Joel Farabee that has something to do. I mean, with we have so many nicknames. He's Frisbee. He's Joel, which is why he needs just one. Uh, is what you know what? Settle on one. It just really one. Like the hive thing really works for him. But that's Mike Scott. I know, but yeah, we can steal. Nah. We can't. We no. already tried to steal dupe. That didn't work. Now nah, we don't want to. We don't want to start it with those Sixers people, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we think we're crazy. They're Look, really Mike crazy. Scott will physically kick your ass. Our Have producer, he's done it. He our, will kick your ass. Our that's producer true. will just stop hitting record. We will lose. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, so, so uh, we yeah, have with that goal last night. That was just, great to see. He just keeps looking. I'll t- like it was reminiscent of the goal that got uh that got overturned, right? The yeah, one yeah. that uh, where he, he goes keeps on the breakaway, yep. keeps with it, and scores on his and rebound. Like that's just him. Yeah. That's such a Joel Farabee goal. He's just a relentless player. I lo- I love using the word relentless to describe him because I think it's just the perfect word in that he just does. He doesn't have an off switch. He just keeps going. He's always going. And you know, my concern throughout this whole thing was that. He's racking up all these chances, but he's not scoring. He's being used in a scoring role. Are they going to look at it as, well, he's just not ready to score in the NHL. We got to send them back down because Chuck Fletcher has not shied away from sending guys back down in the early going, sending prospects back down. Well, Lane Vigneault, after last night's game, he goes and says this. I'd have to say that as far as poise and being able to win puck battles and to make the right play on the wall, he's probably one of our better players on the team right now. Yeah. I don't think they're sending him down. No. I think he's no. here to stay, guys. No. Yeah. And I got this question. Um, I got this question during my post game last night. And at first I was like, I mean, come on. And then I had to stop and think about it. Joel Farabee's been the best player on his line, which consists of two of the highest paid players on the team. I'm not saying he is a better player than Claude Giroux. No, but you're implying it. Uh, no, I'm saying that the G and JVR combo got noticeably better when Farabee joined them. That's what I will concede. Which is not a bad thing. It's true. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I just think that part of that also is fit. Sure. Like, I've been saying for a while that I didn't like the fit of JVR and Voracek, like, flanking Giroux, because you have two guys in JVR and Voracek who, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, they like to blast the zone a little bit early because they're offense guys and they want to get on the attack and i think you can have one of those guys on a line as a winger i don't think you can have two and if you have two you damn well better have an amazing defensive center that can get their back and drew just isn't that anymore Mm -hmm. so i just didn't like the fit whereas farabee well he's he's got to work on some things defensively i do think there are some reads that he's missed so far um he's not incredibly strong on the ball along the boards he'll get there he's not there yet he's 19 so there are doing his best yeah there are some things he needs to improve but in terms of like defensive instincts i think his instincts defensively are just more there than they are for a guy like voracek or maybe voracek has the instincts but he's just like look i'm a scorer i'm gonna go Mm -hmm. score yeah that's i will say in the beginning of the game uh last night against the hurricanes Farabee made a couple of mistakes like early in the first period. There was like a turnover and a blown coverage, and 
Uh, obviously, neither ended up in the back of the net because they shut him out in the first. But it was just mm. he made a couple of mistakes that I thought were noticeable. But it was just I had all the confidence in the world he was going to redeem himself at some point in this game. And then he comes out and scores that goal. And it was it just felt like, man, it feels like Hextall's um, featuring poise and maturity, like drafting guys that had the instincts, the hockey IQ. It's uh, working out. This one paid off, yeah. absolutely. And I think it's going to pay off with Morgan Frost as well. Yeah. Here's a here's a wild stat for you. So right now at 5-on-5, five five, Joel Farabee has been the most efficient producer of scoring chances on the Flyers. Individual chances? Yes. Nice. That is wild. More than James Van Riemsdyk, who's second. Hot more than Oscar Limbaugh, who's and third. More than Travis Konechny, who's sixth. And he leads in both regular scoring chances and also high danger chances. He has just been racking up the chances. And I would say, I test love wise, him so much. I would say there's very little uh, friction between eye no. test and number there. No. Yeah. Whenever Farabee's on the ice, it feels like something's going to happen, yeah. especially in the offensive zone. Yes. We are going to take a quick break. We're a little late for the break, but we'll be back on the other side. Charlie, you just mentioned Morgan Frost. We'll be getting to him, uh, but before that, we have to take this break, so we'll see you in a second. All right, everybody, we are back, and it is time to talk about the, the, the elephant in the room. We started off with a much hotter debate about it than I expected to, but the 3C position, uh, Nolan Patrick still week to week. Morgan Frost has uh he leads the phantoms with four goals he's tied with nak uh in that regard and five assists is tied with the germ for the phantoms lead there he leads the team overall with nine points he's on a seven game point streak why isn't he up yet they he's have a hole at that position they don't have three centers too good to play on the nhl team <laughs> evidently that's a thing that we're doing charlie's gonna yell at me I'm no ready for i it. mean i i if you want to put him on line three, I'm happy with calling him up. And I think I said last week that— And I would, he could very easily I, go there. I would probably call him up. I agree that I don't want him playing on line four. No. Because I, I think that's dumb. Yeah. But just, and, 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 and I'll, on yeah. line four. And I'll elaborate why I think it's dumb in the sense that I want him getting more minutes than he would get on line four. I want him to adjust to pro-level pace. And I don't want there to be situations where, like, sometimes the fourth line just doesn't play for 15 yeah. minutes. And I just don't want that to be how he's getting used to the pro-level. I am totally fine if you want to call him up and stick him as the third line center. That's where I want him. So yeah. to me, Who's like even that's on the, the spot. third line anymore. Well, it's it's Hayes, I guess. If you're counting the Drew line mm -hmm. as like line one or line two, I consider the Drew line line two because I consider anything that Sean Couturier is on as line one. Fair. Okay, so then in that case, yeah, it's the it's the one with Hayes and Voracek is oh. line three. Yeah, they cycled in Raffle last night. Now I think apparently they're cycling back down to yeah. line four. Uh, yeah, correct. putting G back on wing and having Frost center the third line seems like We're the almost, way to go. Like, we We've never been this close to like what we want, have we? No. Like, even though we're so not close. there, we're not there. No, but but it's like, but, like literally you can right smell now, it. It's yeah. so much better than anything we it's, had last yeah. year. Yeah. No, even with yeah, even with the holes in the lineup now, I'm so it's much happier so much than I was better. last year. And also, you kind of know that eventually yeah. they're going to get to it. No, like yeah. he, because they're not idiots. He leads the Phantoms in scoring. Yeah. He's got points in seven straight. It might not be really soon. But he's going to freaking be here. Well, yeah. so the Phantoms are playing tonight. They're actually playing right now, I believe. Yeah, they are. It's um, true. So he might have points in eight straight by the time you're listening to this. Rupstov was sent down today. Um, Vorobiev came back up. Vorobiev came back up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that tomorrow... 
Frost could be here and Vorobiev could be gone again. Yeah, I don't think. I, we, I, 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 I'm not I, saying I expect it to yeah. happen, but I'm saying it doesn't necessarily I, mean what that. What is going yeah, on with the musical so. chairs in terms of the bottom four he forward spots? Us. Chuck yeah. warned us that he there were going to be us. a yeah. lot of moves in the early, the start of the season. I just feel like. Uh, we're I trying know, to figure out the fourth line and make it not I terrible. Get it. Yes. I get it. Yes. I just. And I said, like, you guys told me, hey, Chuck just said exactly what you said, uh, you know, about the, what we're going to do, especially with the bottom of the lineup. I just think, um, it, I don't know if any of these guys are playing great or not. I'm not focusing on them. I just feel like. Spoiler alert, they're not. No, they. And, uh, <laughs> chances are they're not. They're always on defense. I just feel like uh, give them a couple of games in a row to play, like, with the same lineup and see if maybe they get something going together. Well, that's cl- that's clearly not what they're what they are thinking. And you know what, they what? Are, what they are thinking is show me something when you're here. Okay, that's and that's completely like, hey man, this is the NHL. We're trying to win, play well, or go back. Fine. I just don't know with the mix of players they're using if that's going to work. Well, maybe it won't. And and I, I do like it using. I do not to cut you off, Charlie, but I think you tweeted about this earlier. How we've seen with Vorobiev like last year. Well, he came out like a house on fire through two games, then didn't look inspired after that, so we sent him back. And this year, kind of the same thing happened, looked good, and then we sent him back. Maybe they're just going to use this to motivate yeah. him? Like, he gets sent down once a week? Yeah, my, just my, to I, keep I, I made the joke today at practice that Mikhail Vorobiev every year is going to play 41 games. <laughs> yeah. They're going to call him up for a game, <laughs> send him down, because every first game he plays in the NHL is great, and then he, he dies. So it's like, okay, we'll just have him always play the one game and then send him back down. But no, I, I mean, there is something to that, and I think he may be the kind of guy who, you know, he really comes out, like, with a, you know, on fire that first game as he wants to impress everyone and then maybe settles in a little bit and he just doesn't have that same energy. Maybe there's something to that. But in the end, like, they're going to keep doing this until God, until one or two or three guys prove that they deserve to be in the lineup every night or guys start getting healthy. I mean, that that's, yep. the, that's kind of the elephant in the room here where, like, Scott Lawton isn't playing. Scott Lawton is supposed to, go, is supposed to start skating again next week. And I think the earliest he will be back is like mid to late November because it was a three to four week timetable post surgery. Um, when Lawton comes back, then you've got another piece because Lawton has played pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Raffle's played okay, so now you have another piece you can add in there. That and Raffle and Lawton very clearly is a guy who you can put on your fourth line and he'll be good there. Yeah, so that's another piece. And I know we we we're not going to rehash the Nolan Patrick debate, but I do think one of two we things is, one of two things is going to ultimately happen. Either Nolan Patrick is going to get healthy and come back, or Morgan Frost is going to play the second half of the season in the NHL. That's I like, don't know what it's going to be, but it's and, it, and ideally it's both. Yeah. But it 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 at least is going to be one of those two things because I it's really hard for me to envision a scenario where January comes around and Morgan Frost is not on the Flyers unless he was given a shot earlier and didn't play well. He's wearing a regular contact jersey. Okay, I do want to make a point about that though. Yeah, someone asked about so, this. So people like jumped on that. It that wasn't really what it was. Because it was it was a four person practice. He was wearing a contact jersey, but it was a practice with no, with contact. no contact. So like, yeah, he was wearing the black jersey, but like they didn't do anything. Mm. I think I think if it was a full practice and mm. everybody was out there, he would have probably been wearing the the non contact jersey. Like mm. today, he wasn't out there. If he if he was proof for contact two days ago, he probably would have been been a you know been practicing with the team with a not with a contact jersey on on Wednesday he wasn't so 
It's good that he's out there. You're I'm not, ruining I, my argument. It's good that he's out there. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think he took the big step forward that people were hoping he did. Either way, he's going to be fine. And as I said, if he's not, we're going to see Morgan Frost in the second. And that's, I'm and confident of that. Like, the heading here, like, of this section of the outline, Frost slash Patrick. Yeah. Like, eventually the lineup will stabilize in some way that one of them will take that 3C spot. So we've talked about our our uh, our ideal lineups before, uh, and I, we all kind of came to the same conclusion. Basically, let's just think the top nine is what it is once you pencil in a real 3C there. We moved Giroud back to wing, all that stuff. Who makes up the fourth line in this ideal lineup? Like, And I'm opening it up. Phantoms, guys who are up here already, whatever. This, whole, is, this to me is a fascinating whole organization, question. It is a good question. Whole organization, who's your fourth line? Raffle? Mm-hmm. Lawton? Yep. Mm-hmm. Who's the third? That's a great question. Um, I don't hate Pitlick. He's been bad, though. He has been bad, but I think he's better than he what ha- he's played. Yes, I agree. So if we're willing to, you know, give some guys some time for just playing poorly, he can have some time. I don't hate him. Um, anybody else, feel free to jump in. I'm thinking. I mean, Lawton and Raffle seems Lawton like a, Raffle, I, 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 a good start. Yeah, I, I, think I, think we, I think we all agree that yeah. ideally Lawton and Raffle yeah. make up the core of your of your uh, your fourth line. Has NAK? I, I, that, that, that's who I was. Has say. NAK got I, a shot yet this year? No. I, but they don't I, like him, my, right? My fourth line would be Raffle, Lawton, Aubrey Cubell. But I don't get the feeling the Flyers are nearly as high on Nick Aubrey Cubell as I am. Okay. But I think Aubrey Cubell, out of the fourth liners, is the best suited to play the kind of game that I think Elaine Vigneault wants his fourth line to play. Like, I think German Rupsov is a better prospect than Nick, Nick Aubrey Cubell. But I don't know if I want, like, I think they want the fourth line to play like. Look, we're not really expecting to score. If you do, that's great. But we want you to have the puck in the offensive zone. We want you to, you know, grind it out, forecheck. And to me, that's all by Q Bell. Mm -hmm. He's a play driver. I don't know how much he's going to score in the NHL, but he's a play driver. And I think you put him with Lawton and Raffle. I think that's the makings of a really good fourth line. I just, I have little confidence we're going to see it anytime soon. But I I really like all by Q Bell. I think he's a fit there. If they continue to cycle through Phantoms, do you think that Andreoff might? Get yes, a call up. I could see him getting a call up because I mean he was a guy who they he thought was yeah who he, even is that he was one of the he guys they signed in the, the off new season. Mark Alt. He doesn't really exist. He's okay, just all right. I just feel like he got a real shot like at making the team out of camp. Like he just kind of fell flat on his face. I just wonder how many times they're gonna try Vorobiev and the Germ before they give up on them altogether if they're not sticking. Vorobiev, I think a lot sooner than I would think so. German Rubstov. Did you did you read on the website? That Charles writes for, there was an article about how NHL nicknames suck and we should change them and do them differently. Just saying. No, I didn't. That That's was a good article. towards Flyperbole, who's calling him German, which is not his name. <laughs> so, yeah, so get infected. So yeah, yeah. so for me, it's no. It's I got my flu shot like a responsible human being. You bunch of anti-vaxxers. I need to do that. I, I've been meaning to do that. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow in between practice and. Uh, it hurts yeah. a little bit, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. The um, flu shot makes my hot takes cold. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, I think that's my three. Um, the only thing I don't love about that, but I just don't know a way around it. I do agree. I think the Flyers organization believes, and I think I agree with them, that Lawton is better at wing than center. Okay. But I just mm-hmm. don't know who else I put at center. Like to me, 
I would love there to be a scenario where Lawton's on my fourth line and he's a wing, but I just don't know if there's anybody in the organization better suited to be fourth line center than Scott Lawton no, right now. Mm-mm. Yeah, if there was someone better, sure, I yeah. would because lo- that would be a nice fourth line. I just, we're, I'm sitting here thinking like, I don't hate Stewart with Raffle and, and Lawton. Like that's fine. Bill, it's fine. Put your life together. I don't think it's ideal. Okay, well then, uh, then what is your ideal fourth line? I don't know. I want to see Nak get a shot, but that's what I wanted to ask you. Now. Like, what is it? Because this has been a while now. They don't, like, they don't. They don't think he's consistent enough. Okay, that's it's what that it, consistency, it's that consistency thing. thing. Yeah, it's just yeah. like because it's not just this regime. Isn't he's been he here a while, I, and we've I, seen. I think the I think the old regime was higher on him than the new. They were higher, but it seemed like he had carved out his role. Like he proved what he was in the AHL, and now it's like, all right, just bring him up, put on on your NHL fourth line. This ain't hard. And they're like, nah, we're good. They yeah. gave him like what ten games. Like it just didn't. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he's been consistently this see, guy in the AHL for a while, right? I don't really get it. Like, yeah, I, I, but I mean, is that's just sh- what I hear. Is he like a? Is he kind of like a dick? No. Like, is it a personality thing? No. no? I mean, he oh. had the, the he had those dirty hits problem yeah, like, two but years like, ago. But no, but I, I don't, they have Chris Stewart, so like we're not actually fair. against dirty violence. Like, let's not. <laughs> come on. Steph just rolls her eyes every fair time point. I say I like dirty hits. Well, I I actually shot you a glare. It was daggers straight through your skull. Beautiful. They're accidents that no, sometimes I, are good. No, Kelly, I do not get any. I have not heard anything, nor do I get the vibe it's when I ta- when I talk to Knack that he's a bad dude. I don't. I just. I just think for it's super wh- weird. for whatever reason they they have this idea that like, and I don't know if they've heard this from the coaching staff in the AHL. I don't know if they've just watched him a couple games and didn't like his consistency down there. But they just got this idea that like he needs to bring it more on every shift. All right, and like maybe, but clearly it's not stopping his team from outshooting the opposition like fifty eight percent to forty two percent every time he gets on the ice. So like. Yeah, he, maybe he could be better, but inconsistent Albe Cubell is still a play driver. I guess. So I don't know. I'm not saying this is my line of thinking, just trying to parse what you're saying and draw it out to what he'd be in the NHL. Yeah, when he gets 20 minutes in the AHL, he can take three, four shifts off. And yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, the numbers look good. When you only get 10 shifts on the fourth line and four of them are bad, well, guess what? That, that is a fair point. That's, uh, that's a fair a, point. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just trying to make some things up here. Um, that's a fair point. The, the counter I would – what I would counter that is that I, if that's the case, and it very well might be, like – why do you keep throwing Vorobiev out there? Yeah, I don't Who know. Who actually does seem to take off shifts. Yeah, I, games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't love him. I really wanted I'm to. I'm over him. Yeah. I, I really, really wanted to love Vorobiev. 22? Like, oh, okay. I, I thought think, he was older than I think that. this is his last year of his ELC. I, I've heard some people speculate, and I hope this doesn't happen because I do like him like to a degree. I've heard some people speculating that like he just seems like the classic dude who – if he's gonna if he's gonna make the NHL, it's gonna be in a bottom six role, but he's not engaged enough with the play to function in a limited role. Yeah. And what inevitably is gonna happen is he's inevitably gonna go back over to the KHL and be a first line center for the next ten years over there. Right. Yeah, probably. And like maybe. God bless. Maybe. And that's you know that ha- that's not like he won't scratch out a living over there. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Uh, real quick, Cole Bardreau. Anyone see that? Oh, God. First, Cole, he first career goal. Was something, right? That was nice. I think for it. Like, it was good. good. I don't have yeah. anything against Cole Bardreau. No, I, I like How him. How could you? I, I, yeah, yeah, I could you. It's He's not fine. like it's Taylor Lear. Well, uh, wait, so we ne- <laughs> but Bill, we never got your preferred fourth line. 
Oh. If you're going to be the hot taker, yeah, you got to actually come up with I a line. I said I don't hate Stuart. Uh, so is, is your fourth line no, Ralph Lauren no, Stewart? Hey, no. if that's your fourth line, it's, like, it's, you know what? It's take Ralph a stand, L- my friend. It's, it's Ralph Lauren and Ryan Reeves. Um, <laughs> we're going to have take a fun there. Have the best one. Like, come on. What are we I doing do, here? I like Ryan Reeves. Uh, yeah, like, and he's like human. a funny dude. Yeah. As a human, yeah, I really but, like But, yeah, I guess... Lawton Raffle and I, I'm, I'm I want to see Tarensky. Okay, maybe. I mean that, that's fair. So Tarensky has more. been fine. Yeah. Yeah. He's been fine in the they, NHL. They're using him yeah. up on the third. And like I just don't think that's oh, who he is. Maybe bad. on the fourth he'd fill in more. But I, probably I, NAK is my first choice. I wouldn't hate. But we'll see. I wouldn't hate a Raffle Lawton Tarensky fourth line. And and that might be the best. Like out of what's realistic. Because I mean, I really at this point do not think Nick Aubameyang is realistic in terms of what's going to happen. They're just not going to use out of him. what is realistic. You can make a case that might be the best fourth line, even though I think Pitlick is probably a better player, true talent than Torinsky. He hasn't shown it yet this year. That's yeah, fair. he might just be one of those guys who's like a nice little third line player, and the way that we're going to use a fourth line, not as not as effective. I just, I just I, get locked I, in the I, role. I man. just I just think Pitlick. I think he's really really been hurt by the fact that he didn't have a training camp. Okay. Yeah, yeah and that happens. Did uh, we mention that uh, the Flyers gave um, Wayne Simmons his first goal as a Devils? Oh, they did. Oh, that Rude. Was, that did and happen. He looked like that's his second goal since they traded him. It's his second goal since like last January or something. <laughs> I looked it up. I think it was 40 games. He had two goals. Like he's apparently, fourth. actually, uh, people were saying this this morning, he's driving play pretty well. And so he's far. looked, I think he's like starting with the game before the one against the Flyers had started to look a lot more like regular Wayne yeah, Simmons. Which, than, I mean, I hope he does. Yeah. My, my, my concern with Wayne Simmons was never, I thought he was going to bounce back this year. I just didn't want to give him a five-year no, contract. No, I didn't want to be the team. If, 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 I, if, if you would have said get him on a one-year deal, I would have taken that. But then the thing is, you give him a one-year deal, then he plays well, then you probably the next year give him the five-year deal then that's bad this was gonna be the thing i opened the show with uh and i just forgot so i want to close with it uh like i said i solicited some questions from the old interweb today i just wanted to get a feel for what the people were thinking because i am of course a man of the people uh and i got this interesting one from a twitter pal named aunt dad um oh i love her aunt dad aunt dad Um, Aunt dad if you had to pick one which of the games we've seen so far do you think represents the real 2019-20 Flyers? This is a cool question. This is is an interesting question. question. I had to think about it a lot. I ultimately decided to go with the season opening game against the Blackhawks because it was very up and down. The Flyers played well, but they did not outplay the team that they were playing against in like a, you know, a dramatic way. But they won because they're actually good. I talked myself into that one. I think you're the only one that's like super positive about the Flyers. I'm really Thank positive you. right now. It makes it well. I'm really positive because of what I saw last night. I was night. gonna say it makes me concerned that you're on drugs and I, that you <laughs> followed up with you are <laughs> super. Well, positive. I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't think that they're gonna like. I don't I'm, see I'm them like going to the final or anything. But I, I think they're a good. T- I'm just I making fun of you. I know. I don't think it's the most representative, but the effort I saw last night, like the Flyers, got good. thoroughly outplayed in the first 40 minutes of that game. But I don't think like they were playing poorly. I just think Carolina is much better good. than them. Yeah. And they had the great equalizer, a very good goaltender in Carter Hart who kept them in it. And what did the Flyers do? Did they let the lack of momentum snowball no. and just give up? No. They kept their compete level high for 60 minutes and then fucking dominated the third period. So I think that's a great uh, – I think it's a great – Look at what this team at least is growing into. So, do you think that that would be your the the real Flyers game? I think it's a mix of that in Toronto. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I think to me the real Flyers team is the, the team that won in New Jersey last Friday. Okay. All right. It's a good team. Better than the shitty teams. Still gonna have to grind it out and you know, and Carter Hart is good but not amazing, but good. That was a good character win. And they win. It's a good character win. They're they're a good team. They're not great, but they're certainly not as bad as the Devils. My answer is the win against Columbus, where the wheels all fell off. Everything looks like shit. And then, oh, wait, we actually can play hockey. Oh, the, thir the third period. Game yeah. Where they just oh, wait. Nuts. Oh, yeah. wait. We are supposed to play this way. And they figured it out. So I like it. That's that's what my answer is. And before I let Bill close up this show, I do have an announcement. Ooh. Flyers Festivus has oh, been shit. scheduled. It is not actually on Festivus this oh. year because there is a game, but these assholes decided to play at home this year, and I don't want to lose out on mm. the people that are going to the game. So we're going to do, instead of the Monday night, which is also bullshit, we're going to do Saturday night, Christmas Day, December 21st at Fieldhouse. The Flyers are playing the Ottawa Senators. So oh, come better win that game. Pencil that in. That's a loss. They are in Ottawa. <laughs> Don't listen to Kelly, who is on drugs. That's a big <laughs> I, might, I, I might actually come to this. You should. I'm not going to Ottawa. And who would? I, and at I Field write House my weekly ones. I don't have to write a 10 things and on this game. And it's close to your house. Yes. Yeah, so house. at Fieldhouse, starting at 6 o'clock, the game is at 7. Fieldhouse, December 21st for Flyers Festival. And I got a little spoiler Details. for everyone. I got a little spoiler for everyone. That week of December 21st, the Ottawa Senators will still be ranked 31st. <laughs> <in my power laughs> uh, yeah, so that is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. You know how to find podcasts. It's 2019, damn it. Subscribe. Listen. Help us. That's it. Uh, my name's Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Steph, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Our 